someone told me this might help. And it's so cool to get them when they're almost at the bottom because it's like the work that I do is quite simple. It's getting in your body. It's learning to slow down in the body and the mind. It's learning to pay attention. And when we start to pay attention, we can understand where our body isn't in alignment. And, and sometimes it takes someone else to see the outside perspective for you. But the moments that you can start to be more aware and more in your body, that's when we can access freedom and the suffering stops. And we realize that we don't have to live in that pain is inevitable for every athlete or plantar fasciitis is just the way it is. I don't know how many people are always like, I just have a bad back. It's the way it is. And my goal is like, Oh, I can't wait to prove you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be. And it takes a lot to, I think I love getting people when they're at like, again, that low, because it's like, I love to show them glimpses of possibility and like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh my God, I haven't felt this good. Even after one session, people are like, oh my God, I haven't had this much relief from pain in a decade or my entire life. Welcome back to the YTP. We are Jess and BJ, and we are the stewards of this powerful movement known as Yogi Triathlete. We are not interested in the status quo. In fact, we choke on it. We are not interested in keeping the waters smooth or following the rules. We are waking up and shaking up the world of endurance sports by going underneath the surface chat in order to blow the lid off the limitations that are the source of our suffering. And today we have the perfect guest to talk about suffering and pain because this lady has lived it. Chronic pain, anxiety, and stress. At the young age of 21, she was terrified by thoughts planted in her mind about a future of lifelong discomfort and imbalance. Caitlin Parsons, open and out there with her story of transformation back into freedom, is on a mission to assist others to connect with their bodies, hearts, and live in a new way. In a culture of go, 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 it's hard to believe, and I'm so freaking guilty of it, that we are still go-going, but there are so many people who are in this world and they're suffering in silence, hoping that their pain will go away with a few days of rest, seeking symptom-relieving remedies that leave them feeling better for now. And what we have found is that although common, this is not normal. You guys, we do not need to live in pain. And I believe that we should never ever listen to anyone, no matter the amount of framed pieces of paper on their wall, that a future of pain is our outcome. Caitlin tried everything and then she found the very thing. Yoga therapy combined with deep examination of belief systems and how we hold ourselves in this world. In constant worry about other people, she was left completely disconnected with herself. And today we're gonna dive into her beautiful transformation story, which I believe is gonna be packed with no bullshit wisdom because my friends, this San Diegan is actually a hardcore New Englander at heart. So I'm gonna stop it right there and welcome our beautiful yogi friend onto the show, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was the best intro ever. I can't wait to dive in. Well, I just I get so I get so fired up about so many things in your story. Number one, that this idea that pain is our diagnosis for the rest of our life, and the other thing that pain so many times, if not all the time, is a is a directive towards purpose in our life. Mm. And I feel like your story kind of encompasses all of that. And it continues to lead you into scary arenas as you continue to up-level and spread your message on a, on a wider scale. And really how it not just affected your body, but your entire emotional, mental state as well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, 
talk about my story quite a bit and it continues to evolve. Like you said, I continue to move through a lot of this, whether it's physical pain or stress and anxiety and jumping into different levels of myself. But it really started, well, I'll start the story when I became a dental hygienist. I graduated when I was like 21 years old and pretty much jumped right into working as a dental hygienist. Um, I worked like six days a week to pay off my loans and I came from like hustler mindset that the harder you work, the more money you make and that's, that's life, right? You just keep going, going, going. And about a year in at my quote unquote dream job, I realized how much pain I was in and how miserable I was. I had pain in my neck and shoulder. I had pain in my low back my hip, literally carpal tunnel, pretty much everything. And everywhere I turned in the dental community, people were like, yeah, that's just the way it is. And I started to like accept that and like, okay, all right. So if that's the way it is, I was kind of just like, I'll just keep working. I'll just keep doing it. Finally, I started to, I think I had a breaking point that was like, I am miserable, like all time low. And so I started to get curious about different avenues to look into, walked into my first Bikram yoga class. <laughs> Funny, cause that's like the opposite of what I teach now, but I got glimpses of feeling better in my body. And I can't describe it any better than I just felt connected to myself. And I grew up super, like you said, on the East Coast, I'm a Boston girl, but super disconnected from my body, my mind, my heart. I pretty much was a people pleaser my whole life. So I was in the constant stress and anxiety. So walking into that yoga class or leaving the yoga class and being like, I feel like myself or something like this. It was, it was a weird experience, but I started to feel better in my body. And it was those moments and I kept going to the classes and started to feel better in those moments of feeling better was like, there has to be more. There has to be different ways for, especially the dental community where so many people experience pain because you're just hunching over people all day. How can I not only feel better for me, but it was clear. I remember getting downloads of like, this is my work of not only to help me get out of pain, but like share this message because there has to be more. So there wasn't Google back then, but I don't know what search engine I used. I just started Googling like therapeutic yoga, different ways to feel better, yoga for dental professionals. And there really wasn't much, but anyway, I did my first yoga teacher training in Vermont and then moved across the country to San Diego. So it was eight years ago. I moved out here in a dream to find what therapeutic yoga was, but it wasn't even a thing really out here then. There was some schools doing it throughout the country, but very, very few. So anyway, when I moved out here, I decided to get my dental hygiene license, took like a year and a half. Almost immediately after I got my license here and started working, I was like, okay, now I'm ready to do, like get my yoga therapy thing or explore it. I think like two weeks after I made that decision, I got an email from a studio, The Soul of Yoga, right down the street from my house and was like, we're opening a yoga therapy program, San Diego's first ever. And I think I was the second person to enroll in the program. And yoga therapy, for those that don't know, is a thousand hours of study. So the thousand hours I just dove in, never was good at school, but like I was teacher's pet in my yoga therapy program. I just ate it up, like all the anatomy and learning more about posture and alignment. And really the journey was healing my pain and tapping deeper into my body and like accessing these parts of me that really were hidden for a long time. And yeah, once I became a yoga therapist, I was feeling better and starting to understand what was working for me and how I could balance my work as a dental hygienist and feel good in my body. And it's 
a journey that I don't think ever ends for me. I'm still trying to navigate it. But yeah, then I started working with people who also have pain and who want to improve, like as a result of improving posture and bringing their body into alignment of how they can get out of pain and feel good in their bodies. So yeah, that's what I do. And now I, I, as of last year, I finally started to bridge the gap of creating support in an online program for dental professionals. And so just did my first speaking engagement for the community last month. And it was amazing, but just teaching people how to be more in their body, how to take care of themselves in a way that doesn't take 12 hours a day or three hours a day. Like how can we tap more into our body? How can we feel better? Because when we feel better, when we feel more ourselves, we're way better humans and if we can all take care of ourselves and be more connected yeah that's a piece of my mission (laughs) and so the dental hygienists don't and don't we want the people working on a very sensitive area don't we want the vibration in the room of those people to be positive as, as positive as can be yeah and that's become my message at my when I did my talk it was like not only do we want to feel good in our bodies as practitioners and as a hygienist but like if all of us in the office feel good and we feel our best that is the like the patient experience and the patient care is like tenfold different if you just have someone that's like going through the motions that feels like crap they're not like excited to be there I've seen both and I've really been in both realms of it of like feeling my best a a day at work and then feeling like crap and like the way I show up in the the patient experience especially for a lot of people that have dental trauma a lot of people have dental trauma that's completely different and of course I attract all the people that have trauma (laughs) with dental and anxiety (laughs) I'm like come here I was thinking about Luca and his first dental experience oh yeah our our um Wendy's yes our mutual friend Wendy who's been on the podcast a few times so People who have listened to Wendy's story, if you haven't, go back and listen because she's amazing. But yeah, her son Luca um, has autism and the experience that she created for him and and communicating with the doctor to because he had to get some pretty extensive de- dental work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's that experience of mm-hmm. he's already got all this fear like going into this. Yeah. And if you're serving these patients and your mind is focused on your back pain or your foot or whatever mm-hmm. your your full attention is not given to the the person or patient in front of you. Yeah. So when you were in school, I mean I'm interested in this because I was trained in massage therapy a long time ago. I went to the Boulder College Massage Therapy, which actually doesn't even exist anymore. I don't think. They were so so it was such a heavy education in like you got to take care of yourself. Mm. Like you this is how and they were huge on body mechanics of how we were because an embodiment like for us to feel in our bodies what we wanted our clients to feel like the intention and that that there was an energy transfer now of course that's massage therapy and especially in boulder colorado was definitely a very holistic type of experience but when you were in school did you receive education around taking care of your body for dental hygiene school no i mean there was probably in my three-year program like an hour on ergonomics or something like that, but it was all rigid. It's like, here's what you should look like and here's how you will diminish pain. But like, that's not real life. You don't just come to work and you're this like stick figure and you go throughout the day. They don't really give you the tools to get there and to stay there. So yeah, that I mean, that's the part in the physical body, but definitely didn't get any education on like, the energy transfer and like the way you show up for you, like the way you show up in your body and how that translates to the patient 
none. And I had a lot, um, I had over the years that I did massage therapy, I had a lot of steady clients that were dental hygienists mm. and stylists, hairstylists. Mm -hmm. And really what led me to being like a meditation teacher and mindfulness teacher was that like, it was way more about what was going on inside and like really what was going in on inside the body that was transferring and, and creating the pain in the body. So it was really like the, the mental state. There was a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and stress that was going along with being in pain all the time and being told that you're going to be in pain all the time that that's just the way it is mm -hmm. so when you say that you like grew up like you were in a box like a rigid box what did that box look like can you describe that box I am 32 years old and I think it was only like four years ago that I realized like who have I been this whole life of mine it was not I, I just didn't know it was deep deep conditioning from my family so I can't even describe what the box looked like but what it felt like was extremely confining of course and it felt like I constantly had to worry about what was happening outside of me what people thought what I should do um, uh, all of the expectations and beliefs and it led to a lot of my anxiety for sure and disconnect from my body because I was constantly seeking outside of myself yeah it was rough and it started I mean I want to say like my entire childhood was like that too. I was definitely, my parents went through, they lost their first child to SIDS at like three months. And then I think my sister was born like a year later after he died. And they did very, they went to one counseling session together and that was it. And they did very little healing for themselves. So I had a lot of like, I was the supporter and the people pleaser. So my sister was like a little more of the wild one. She talked back and all that. And I just held space and kind of learned from a very, very young age how to support my, my parents emotionally and how to take on their pain, quote unquote. Wasn't take pain. Which is so interesting because you're holding space now, but you're doing it from a place where you're putting, you're, you have to put yourself first. And so the reason why I want to dive into this a little bit is that we have a lot of athletes that are listening to this podcast. That's primarily the audience that's listening to this podcast, endurance athletes. So people who are out there training long hours, so we've got moms with the mom guilt, husbands with the wife guilt, we've got wives with the husband guilt, we've got the pressure of you know, being the, the provider of finances and you're spending all this money and, but the thing is is that they're do, like anybody who invests in something like Ironman triathlon or ultra running, like they're, it, it's what they love. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's some kind of purposeful, uh, directive that's coming from inside and there's a lot of outside pressure about that so what well, you I feel like you're going to say something BJ well not only the <laughs> the movement the endurance movement but what they do immediately after so the they sit in the car and they'll pick up their kids they stand in that they sit in that long lane to pick up their kids so that it could be an hour or two hours or or the office worker they go to work and they sit down for eight straight hours and then they go and rigorously work their body and mm -hmm. so it's this extreme shift and they don't necessarily have the tools or the they don't see the opportunity and what can happen at work, like getting up mm -hmm. every so often. So the stuff is just going to be keep lingering and lingering and festering in their body. And then it comes out and it shows up in an overuse injury or mm -hmm. something. That's or stress and anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. This this guilt that I'm talking about. Um, and where I was going with this is you shift, you've shifted this. What did that look like? I mean, I know it's a huge question, but going from a... <laughs> Going like, from oh. a, yeah, it's a huge question. So I don't even know where to just begin where where you feel like it, the words come. But what I'm looking 
the question I'm asking is, you go from a people pleaser to assisting people in living a more pleased life, right? <laughs> but you're doing that in an effective way by taking care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who are stuck in that like, well, I can't go and, you know, lay on the couch now and drink turmeric tea and rub my feet because I've been gone for six hours. Getting out from underneath the idea that we are here to please other people and not live our dreams. How do you, how did that work for you? What did that look like? I, I have a feeling it was messy. Was it messy? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's like a one sentence uh, answer. I, it's been a a journey and it's continuing. Um, I'm still, especially with certain people in my life and certain relationships have been harder, especially with my parents. I just actually like side note, and then I'll answer your question. But Anthony and I, my partner have been together for eight and a half years and we secretly got married with both of our parents, my grandfather last July. Um, and planned to have this wedding this coming September. And it was just, we were doing research, planning everything, and it nothing felt in alignment. And I kept listening of like, crap, I'm forcing myself to do this. Who's this for? Who's this for? It's not for us. It feels like we're just playing like dress up and I don't, spending a lot of money on it. So we just crushed my parents' dreams and was like, we're not doing a wedding because this isn't in alignment. It's not what we want. And we'd rather like save to buy a house and do all this. So it's still something that I work with and work through. And yeah, it's a journey. But I think my yoga therapy program, like diving into yoga practices and well, really just doing my first yoga teacher training was me taking care of me in a way that I didn't know it. And I, of course I bridged that to, I'll help other people. Of course I'll do it for other people, not for myself, but it started to wake me up of like, you know, all the teachings on yoga or getting more in your body of um, taking care of yourself, compassion, all of that. It just started to slowly, light bulbs started to turn on almost very, very slowly. And I just started to make decisions, even just like, going to a yoga class used to be hard for me because I could go home and do the 99 things on my to-do list. So why, why wouldn't I just do the stuff that I know how to do and it's easy and it's quick and I'll just keep going and move the needle forward. But if I'm doing those things from a place of, I feel like crap and I'm miserable, what's the point? So yeah, I don't even, it's been a journey and it continues to unfold, but just I'm realizing the more and more I take care of myself on a physical level, on a mental level, on an emotional level, the better I feel. And the more connected I am to myself and my dream and my vision, and the more I want to say I get like intuitive hits of when I choose me and I say yes to me, whether it's going to a yoga class, whether it's sitting on the ground and using tennis balls to massage my body, whether it's taking this big training or going on a trip by myself, wherever it is. When I do it and I, the feeling I get in my body of like, heck yes, I feel so good. It's like, it's almost makes it, it validates it for me. And it's those moments of like, I need to do that more and more. So it's just a matter of like flexing the muscle and continuing to flex it. I feel like we, we can't wrap our brains around how I will ever be able to not feel guilty going out for a workout and coming back and, mm-hmm. and tending to my family. How will I ever feel that? So we've, we flex that muscle. So it's just continually flexing the muscle in the other way. So I'm, sh- I'm sure you've had opportunities still where it comes up inside and you're like, well, I'm not really going to get on the tennis balls right now. I need to get back to this person and that person. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, are there any, like, not, I don't want to say shortcuts, but do you have anything that will interrupt that process and get you back on? 
I think the biggest thing what just came up is is the small steps, the small little pieces that you can do. Like you said, for people that go on this long run and then they jump back into work or they jump back into picking up their kids, what would it look like to just take a minute to stretch and to deep breathe or to use the car to stretch, you know, put your hands on the roof of the car and stretch back. And it's, it's those moments where we take even the littlest bit of time for ourselves. And we were like, Ooh, notice the difference that now, how I feel now after I just did a minute of stretching versus jumping in the car of how that feels in my body. And now I'm more present with my kids, not stressed and not rushing and not thinking about my body as much, but I'm more present in that. So I think it's just over and over choosing for me. I mean, some people just dive right in. That's not me. (laughs) Uh, So it was just choosing and it still is choosing little bits, making decisions in the moment of even if they're small, they make a, they create a big impact. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They do. It's those small changes. Mm-hmm. It's the simplicity of really what is truly profound where people get stuck. They don't yes. think that it's going to work or that they, or it's so small they don't give it any time to practice even thinking about it. To remind themselves, I talk a lot about transitioning wisely with people like when they come home from work and they're in the driveway, take a breath. Mm -hmm. And then when you walk into the house, be with your kids, be with your husband, be with your bike ride, be with your yoga, be with your whatever massage balls, like be with Netflix, whatever you Mm -hmm. are, just be in that moment. And I guess the the essence of that is presence. Yeah. What does presence mean to you? Mm, Presence means... A lot of things. First thing that just came through presence means connecting to my body of like, for me living most of my life outside of my body. And I actually used to do cross country. I was a big <laughs> runner back in the day and I was so outside my body. So I was constantly actually injured. I was twisting my ankle because I was getting to the finish line in my head instead of being in the moment. So presence to me is connecting to my body. Presence to me is connecting to my breath. Presence to me is allowing myself to be in the moment versus having to think about my to-do list, to think about the next thing, to um, take care of other people or anything like that. It's just allowing versus forcing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the importance of slowing down? I mean, you're, you're Bostonian, right? Like <laughs> yeah. we, I mean, I was, I was definitely raised in the hustle, 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 mm-hmm. but you were raised like you had the hustle but then you had the, like, you had to take care of people and not take care of yourself. I was raised, like, the opposite. Like, I'm better than other people, which is so mm. terrible. That's just as bad. Like, I eat wheat bread. Some people eat white bread. I married the white bread guy. I have a lot of white bread. Yeah. Up. We have I five mean, kids. So we I hope had- my mother doesn't listen to this podcast because she'll be like, I never said that. <laughs> but she did. Mom, you did. You said, aren't you glad you don't have to eat bologna and white bread? And I married the guy that ate bologna and white bread. And and like, that's so crazy. What a weird mental, what a weird mental component that was. So I had to take myself down off the throne because I felt like I had to stay in the throne. And the throne made me feel so anxious because I knew that I wasn't separate or better than. Mm. And it actually made me feel less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So slowing down because that was not something that, I mean, we're all, we all grew up in, in that environment. And it's not just, I feel like sometimes we, I don't want to beat up on New England because I love New England. I love that fire that in that work ethic that it, that it provided me. But this is this is epidemic in the human race really mm-hmm. it's go 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 and if you're not go 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 then you're not doing enough and you're not enough mm-hmm. so what is that importance of slowing down 
Uh, the importance of slowing down is everything to me, honestly. Right now, say the past like two years, have slowing down has been my biggest focus. And it's something that I continue to battle up against because my beliefs and my conditioning tell me otherwise. But the more that I slow down, the more that I, again, even take a minute to breathe before I go into work. The times that I choose to not go out with friends because my body's just asking me not to, or the moments that I choose not to check everything off my to-do list for the day and I actually just rest instead, are the moments that I feel the most connected to myself. And it's, I'm my biggest lessons now are allowing more than forcing again. So the moments that I slow down and allow what is naturally supposed to happen life feels so much easier but it's not easy to get there so i mean slowing down for me at first was working six days not seven days a week uh and then five days and sometimes slowing down is i mean like i said i still practice it so i'll be on a walk and i'm thinking of all the 90 things that i have to do after after i walk my dog but so slowing down for me is just being present and looking at the greenery around me or the person walking by instead of having to constantly be productive. Mm-hmm. Oh, slowing down. So as we make these changes, as you slow down, as you got out of the box, we butt up against the programming. Mm-hmm. So in a moment where, you know, a, a dad says, you know what, I am, I'm going to give, okay, that's it. Tonight I listen to that thing and tonight I'm going to do that 15 minutes yoga video. I'm going to do it. But now the old programming comes up. You can't do it. You got to help out with dinner. You've been gone all day, da da da, whatever. What are some tools that people can use in those moments where they're butting up against that kind of that fear of, of change? Because that's really what you're doing is you're shifting and transforming in those moments. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm still working on, honestly. Because, I mean, there's so many things that we're conditioned and we are supposed to believe. So it's a constant almost unraveling. And then once you get to another level, it's like you get to unlayer, delayer a little bit more. So I think something that's really profound for me and has been is in those moments of, oh, I really just want to lay and do yoga. And then my mind is like, no, but you have like all these things. You have to do this work and you have to do this. So I don't have kids, but usually it's my work and helping other people and doing that that comes up. And it's like, for me right now, it's like, okay, I need to take a breath. I need to pause. What would bring me the most joy? If I'm rushing and I'm going to cook dinner for the family and I feel like crap and I'm stressed and my body is sore and I need to move my body... Or, and I'd go do that, the experience for everyone is going to be completely different if I, than if I took 5, 10, 15 minutes for me and then I went and cooked dinner. And imagine how good the food will taste and the different experience you'll have with your kids or your family or even just you going through the motions. I think that's really profound. And something else is when that comes up is like, okay, is this what I actually believe? Do I actually believe that the more that I do in this moment and not taking care of myself in this moment, do I actually believe that? Or is that something I've been conditioned to believe? And that has been like profound and also annoying because I'm like, damn it, that's conditioning again? Like how deep did this go? But it's those moments that I'm like, okay, that's a condition. And I'm actually going to choose what feels good in this moment and what's in my highest excitement or what feels in alignment and I know will take care of me. Mm-hmm. And when I take care of, when we take care of ourselves, we take care of other people around us, obviously. Yeah, and that's that's pretty profound right there. It's be seen many times as being selfish mm-hmm. a lot, especially mm-hmm. from where we all came from. Yeah. And you went through that same experience when you signed up for that 
program where you invest your biggest investment you talked about on your site you handed over your credit card and you got into that mm. program and you immediately knew that you had to do it on the phone. Mm -hmm. You charged it and then everything flooded in, mm -hmm. right? And this is, this is what happens with some of our athletes who sign up for races or they make a big decision in their life. They're going to buy a bike or whatever. Then the reality hits. So it's that conditioning. Mm -hmm. How can you insert yourself right there into that, that moment? Because if you don't, it's going to carry momentum. Yeah. And it's going to continue to spiral and you're going to continually question whether that's the ideal thing. So I like what you said about the feel. Mm. Because if you are in tune with your inner voice and that inner self, which always knows the best, mm -hmm. has the best interest in mind. If you have, if you're touched into that feel, you should always be able to access it. Mm -hmm. But we're not always able to access it. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of layers in there. So mm -hmm. maybe in that instance, how did you continue to move forward despite knowing that you were making this financial commitment? How are you going to pay for it in the end? Are you going to get mm -hmm. what you want out of it? Mm -hmm. What kept you moving forward? God, I, like, I have anxiety crippling up, bubbling <laughs> up right now thinking about that moment that they were like, okay, what's your credit card number? And I was like, $10,000, Caitlin, are you really doing this? That's like your max on your credit card. It was that I knew I needed to do it. It was the moments coming up to the credit card payment that I was like, this is, this feels so good. Like my body is excited. I'm all in that I had to keep going back to. And something really profound that I've learned is that fear will always be there. If you are always, if you are stepping outside of what is comfortable for you, fear will show up. So for me, sometimes I just need that reminder of like, like in that moment, as I'm like, they're like, give me your credit card. And I was like, no, 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 no. Can you pay for this? All like, like you said, all the things were coming up and it's like, okay, that's just fear. And how do I get to, and this is the continuous journey I'm on is how do I get to see myself outside or see kind of take a step back and okay, fear is talking over here. And if I take a step back because we are not our fear, what does the other part of me say? And what is that other part of me? Because if it's not fear, it's probably, and it's not your ego, it's mm -hmm. the truer part of you. So it's like, if we can learn to kind of step outside the experience to be present with, okay, Fear is here. Here's all the things that fear is telling me. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make the money. I'm going to go into debt. All of these things. I don't have enough time. All of that. If fear is saying this, what's the other part of me saying? And then from that place, how do I get to choose? I get to choose which one I want to listen to. And I don't know how many times I've listened to the fear, unfortunately. But it's when I listen to the fear that I'm in that loop of like anxiety and stress and nothing feels good. So it's like when you choose to do what feels aligned or I don't know how you can say that more simply. It's more alignment. What I see is you took power back. You're yes. taking this power of choice back. I love that because when we give into the fear, we are literally giving our power away and we don't often see it that way. But I don't know how many times in my life I gave into fear a lot. Well, because it's conditioned and it's yeah. comfortable. So we, we already exactly. know what's going to happen with it's, fear. It's, that's, we know that. We stay in the loop. Yep. That's totally fucked up. That's so that, that, <laughs> No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that fear is what's comfortable. Yeah. That's what I'm because observing. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. If anybody, I'm pointing it at myself. I was going to say us, yeah. Because I made so many choices from fear and BJ, you just like shine such a big light on that, that we choose the fear because it's the most comfortable option. We know when what the feeling is of fear. We already know yeah. that. Okay, I know that. It's uncomfortable, Ugh, but I know it. So awful. And the unknown is scary because <laughs> we don't have that 
archive in our brains that says, oh, this is what the unknown, because it's different every time. You're creating mm-hmm. your future in mm-hmm. every moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's where I, that's the gap that you're talking, that I feel yeah. like you're talking about. So if you, if you're building that alignment with your inner self, you're strengthening the bond between what you truly know is right. And yet you're still going to come up with the fear and those mm-hmm. feelings of fear, yet you go forward despite. Mm-hmm. And that's where the growth is. And that's where the magic is when you get those moments of like pure like elation or joy. And it's like, yes. Like when you get those moments of like, I listened to what was true and it feels so good. That's like, <laughs> then you get to flex that muscle when it feels really hard and another point. And I think again, it comes back to like, you're flexing the muscle. You're choosing to see things differently. And there's going to be a hundred times that you'll choose the fear still. But the one time in that hundred that you choose to listen to your alignment, then it's like, Ooh, you create a new pathway, right? You're like, okay, this, I understand this, even though this is still really heavy, the fear and the conditioning over here, I'm starting to get glimpses of what it feels like to be on the other side as well. I, th- it's, that's exactly what I'm experiencing in my life. It's the, the, and I've been choosing the inner being voice for many years, and it takes a while for the physical mm-hmm. to catch up, and it really takes, it shows you how deep the conditioning is. It shows you how deep the social programming is, and we're all, uh, we've all been susceptible to it, right? I mean, as soon as we come through that amnesia portal known as the womb, we're given a name, we're given a gender, we're given a birth order, we're given, oh, she's got big eyes, she's got my nose, you know, she's a girl, she's a, whatever it may be. And then we, we are like categorized into these personas. And then it's like whatever that persona can acquire and do in this life is who they are. Mm. And all the while, there's this really powerful voice trying to get through all the density. And, and that, you know, living, you, you talked about this already, like living outside of yourself, you know, pleasing other people or acquiring things as, as your worth. That definitely can compound anxiety and stress in your life. And I know that that pain in the body can also do that. What did your anxiety look like? Because you talk a lot about the anxiety that you experienced. What did that look, how did that manifest? Oh, how didn't it manifest? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pervasive. (laughs) I mean, it's infectious. It will will get every avenue of your existence and, and get in there if we let it. Yeah, anxiety was something that up until I was like 25, I didn't know I had. I had no idea. And honestly, when I still, it's something that I still like, because it's so deeply conditioned, it'll still come up (laughs) even after like 10 years of deeply working on it. Anxiety to me was a very inward journey. And for a lot of people, it is not everyone. So when I tell people I have anxiety, it's interesting, especially people that see me as a yoga teacher and doing all this amazing work. And they're like, you have anxiety. You don't seem like it at all, which is hilarious because I'm like, I'm literally just crazy anxious. I had a lot of stomach issues. I had a lot of GI issues. I remember being in college at dental hygiene school and going to the just like a traditional doctor and they were trying to figure out and do all these tests on my like GI tract and all of these things. And it it was stress and anxiety. It was because I like wasn't taking care of myself and I was so out of my body that my system wasn't able to properly, I probably wasn't eating proper nutrients. There was a bunch of stuff there, but the biggest part was I was so disconnected to my body. I wasn't listening. And so they recommended surgery. They recommended all these things. And I started to be like, I don't know that makes sense and I remember starting to feel I did like a couple yoga classes then and I started to feel like when I wasn't stressed or I didn't have exams or I didn't feel like super anxious my 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 stomach was better so 
it started to like turn on the light bulb of like, huh, this is correlated to my body. Anxiety has stuck. I mean, a lot of my pain was also because I was crippled with anxiety and I, because I was crippled with anxiety and people pleasing, I wasn't taking care of myself. So it was kind of this double-edged sword where do I handle the anxiety or do I handle the pain? But really they were, they were deeply connected because the more that I'm taking care of my pain and my body and my injuries and all of that, the better and more connected I feel in my body, the more present I am. And so the anxiety reduces. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Do you have an experience that you recall maybe in your yoga training where that stuff started to move or release or those layers started to lift? I have a lot of, a lot of those moments. I remember like a bunch of in my training, but also just classes outside of the training during that time. I remember going, being in a few shavasanas and at the end when I'm coming out of it, like, you know, those long ones that they really guide you in. Those are my favorite because they guide me, guided me to a place that I had never experienced. And it was out of my head and it was not only in my body, but like deeper in my body in like the energetics kind of thing. And I remember waking up from Shavasana, I probably slept and being like, I've never felt like this before. Just so deeply relaxed mind and body that it was like, if I can experience this in this moment, how do I get to experience this outside of a 10 minute Shavasana and a 90 minute class or whatever it is. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You saw, it's almost like what you were saying before, like you start to choose from that intuitive voice. Mm -hmm. You start to choose away from the fear and you're just like, oh my God, that feels so good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let me keep flexing that muscle to, so let, let me keep getting into Shavasana. Let me keep trusting this class and this experience that I'm having. So Really what you shared is like an experience where you felt the absence of the, the anxiety. And you talk about in one of your blog posts about how sometimes we have to burn in the fire. Is that from experience? Have you burned in the fire? Yeah, yeah. I've burned in the fire a lot. I've put myself in the fire a lot in order to break the mold and get out of the box over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So when I first did it, it was probably that experience actually of that program that I did that I spent a crazy amount of money. It was a weekend long. They called it a retreat, which was so rude because it was literally like a soul wrenching experience of like, they made us like crawl on the floor and act like we were a lion and not only act like you were a lion, but you had to get everyone in the room to believe you were a lion. So for someone that's a people pleaser and someone that's like, doesn't know how to step outside of the box and have fun, embodying a lion on the floor was like the worst experience of my life. But it was in those moments of like, once I freed myself from the box and I felt like a lion, it was like, woo, I can do almost anything. And it was those moments of like, huh, I've been living in this box and I've been doing all of these things, thinking all of these things. But it was the moment that I was outside of the box that it like, I, w- I want to be outside of the box way more. And in order to, I think, get outside of the box and get to the other side, I had to put myself in the fire over and over and over again in different ways. And that's vulnerability. Oh, and it's, yeah, it's not easy. Is vulnerability weakness? No, it's strength. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> 
But I mean, yeah, it's so interesting because I grew up in a, my parents were not vulnerable (laughs) at all. So I was very well trained in how to not be vulnerable or be vulnerable just enough and not actually going. Don't let, don't reveal the card. Don't let too many people in too far. Yes. I trust you, not you, not you, not you, not you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the more that I share about, especially like my experience of moving through pain and anxiety, the more that I share it and the more that I get really uncomfortable in sharing it with people in class and just anyone it's like a a feeling of being free after of not holding it in and for a child since I was who knows how young holding things in because I thought I had to make everyone happy and I couldn't be myself and I didn't even know what myself was it's huge and that felt like freedom yeah, yeah that's and the stuffing down like yeah. you stuff your stuff you were a stuffer stuffer you can listen you can listen totally you listen to other people and you can help them out and take in their stuff too mm-hmm. but your stuff is completely like off compressed. limits yeah. yeah we don't talk about this yeah like, we don't talk about that That's, and i think that people do that with pain very often pain stress anxiety is it's like no this is what culture is and isn't light aren't all dental hygienists supposed to be in pain aren't all people supposed to just be stressed and in the rat race and when you see that all the time it's like maybe this is true well sometimes it's a badge of honor yeah oh well, i wore that I'm super busy. I can't hang out. Sorry. And it was yeah. like, <laughs> well, then I'm choosing the o- to be busy. I'm choosing that. The other way, you're seen as a renegade. You're seen as a outside, someone who's going against the grain, someone who's a disruptor. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, you, you believe there's another way to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't all have to be injured. And then that thought pops in your head. And then the community around you is thinking like, well, what is she talking about? Like, mm-hmm. this is how it is. Mm-hmm. She's starting to, trying to stir things up. So yeah. then the forces become even more oppressive. But if you're open to it, right? You, we talked about the align. If you're open to it and aligned with it, you're going to step up even more because it's something you believe in. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with the, the dental, in the dental um, industry. Yeah, really with a, a lot of people, it's interesting. A lot of my clients, actually, I'm trying to say patients now. So a lot of my patients will come to me and they're like, I'm in pain. I've had back pain for... A decade or my entire life or this and I've tried every avenue and they're like someone told me this might help and it's so cool to get them when they're almost at the bottom because it's like the work that I do is quite simple it's getting in your body it's learning to slow down in the body and the mind it's learning to pay attention and when we start to pay attention we can understand where our body isn't in alignment and and sometimes it takes someone else to see the outside perspective for you but the moments that you can start to be more aware and more in your body, that's when we can access freedom and the suffering stops. And we realize that we don't have to live in that pain is inevitable for every athlete or plantar fasciitis is just the way it is. I don't know how many people are always like, I just have a bad back. It's the way it is. And my goal is like, oh, I can't wait to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. <laughs> it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be. And it takes a lot to... I think I love getting people when they're at like, again, that low, because it's like, I love to show them glimpses of possibility and like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh my God, I haven't felt this good. Even after one session, people are like, oh my God, I haven't had this much relief from pain in a decade or my entire life. So it's like, okay, if we did one session, imagine what multi, you know, all of these sessions would be like. So, do you have one, can you share with us one experience where a patient came to you? With an extreme case, like just yep. maybe summarize like how, 
what they were showcasing in their body and then how you addressed it. Two things come to mind. A short story about myself is when I moved to San Diego, became a dental hygienist. Actually, it was right before I became a dental hygienist. I was working at the front desk of an office. And because I was doing like the whole dental hygiene thing and working the front desk of an office, not making enough money, trying to do side hustle, I was stressed, really stressed. And it was before I dove into my yoga therapy program. And because of the way I held the mouse and because of all the stress and being out of my body and not taking care of myself, I had crazy carpal tunnel symptoms. So I was 24 years old and I remember at one point I couldn't open jars. It started to just get to the point that I had so much pain and inflammation in my hands that I was getting numbing and tingling. I was having pain, not being able to open jars, all of this. Went to a doctor and she was like, oh, do you want pain meds or should I give you a referral to a surgeon? And I was, I just looked at her and I was, it was that moment that I was like, no. I refused both of those. Well, maybe I took the referral just like, just in case, but I was like, I'm going to find a way. Well, you needed to please her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, doctor. Great advice. She was pretty much just like, oh, that's the way it is. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, I refuse to believe that. And now I have no more carpal tunnel symptoms because I I found out how to take care of my body and to bring my body back into alignment and to do all these things. So that was my, one of my personal experiences. I have had a client that I've worked with for a year now. I won't say his name, but he is 50 ish years old, an engineer. He came into my yoga class and it was my healthy back class. And, um, he had crazy and we're still working with it crazy like hunchback for lack of a better word um but not only hunchback he had low back pain he had knee pain he had foot pain and he was told that only surgery will help for everything and he was told with his hunchback that it's just always going to get worse your dad had it your brother had it so from the age of seven years old this guy had the story that he will always be this way and it's just going to get worse and you're just going to be in pain and i was like he had really, really bad hunchback. So I was like, I know I can improve your symptoms of what you're experiencing. I know I can help your low back. I know I can help your knee. I know I can help your foot. I know I can help you feel better in this area of the hunchback, but like I've never worked with someone to reverse hunchback. So I was like, I'm not going to say that I can reverse it, especially at the age of 50, but Oh my God. So first we started working together and it was, I addressed his knee pain and really in his foot that he had for years, he couldn't play volleyball, which was his his joy he couldn't play anymore because he had so much pain every time he played and that was his one thing if I get anything from this I want to be able to play volleyball and I was like okay so we helped his foot pain he no longer has it knee pain low back and a lot of it was just learning to bring his body back into alignment to move to walk to stand to sit from that place so we did all of that even though doctors said he needs knee surgery again he needs foot surgery and probably low back surgery he does not. And it's been a year and he's like no pain ever anymore in those areas. And I wish I took and did like statistics on, or like took measurements of his spine and stuff at the beginning, because not only is he feeling so much better, but he, I mean, we didn't reverse. I don't think, I don't think for some people you can reverse hunchback, but he, he's so much more aligned What's really interesting is he used to have really bad acid reflux and he was on meds for his entire life. And now that he does not, and it like affected everything, he had gout as a result, he was saying, and he had like all these things as a result of it. He no longer has that just because we've aligned his body better so he can, like everything's more in line. 
Yeah. So everything's more in flow. Yeah. And he has more energy now. He is more motivated. He's going to volleyball. He did a whole season of volleyball and he never thought he would be able to do that again. And for him, like I actually went to one of his volleyball games because I'm one of those people that likes to watch people move. Like I love to watch people run. I love to help people because what we do in a yoga mat is one thing. Mm -hmm. Same with mindfulness, right? What we do on the mat is one thing, but like how do we live our life in that way? So if he's walking, if we're doing all this yoga stuff on the mat and then he goes out and he plays volleyball and he goes back to his same patterns or he's walking like that or whatever, it's going to, it's just going to revert back to where it was. So I went to one of his games and like seeing the joy on his face as he played was like, I, I got those moments of like full body chills of like, yes, this is why I'm doing this work. So we can find more joy by being tapped into our body and taking care of ourselves. Can you see the dots connect? Yeah, I know. Oh. My mind just, just <laughs> I mean, all the way back to the beautiful parents that you chose to come through in this yeah. life. Exactly. Yeah. That they were, they were exactly what you needed to, you know, get to your bottom and say, I got to get back up. Mm-hmm. I got to get out of here. That there's, there's no part of this path that's not on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that if somebody is in the guilt or they're out of their bodies or they're in the anxiety, like it's, would you agree that it's, it's all, continuing to move them closer to growth and expansion Mm -hmm. thousand percent I mean I don't know that I at the beginning saw my pain and my anxiety as a teacher but a thousand percent and when we get to have those moments of this is my teacher all like I'm going through some personal stuff right now in my relationship and I'm very very clear that it sucks and it's challenging (laughs) and this is such a big teacher and such a big lesson for me. And I can't wait to not can't wait to be on the other side as if I'm separate from it or anything, but like, I I know that this is just adding value. And when we get to start to see moments like of challenge in that way, rather than the victim mindset, I think a lot, a lot shifts. It's just another muscle to flex. It really is like the, the perspective that, is the first one we see is just the program. It's just yeah. the one we've practiced. Yeah. But there's an unlimited amount of ways that you can see every experience. And the first step is to just listen to what I just said and write it down and maybe read it every day. Mm-hmm. Like my first reaction is just what I've practiced. And there's a limited amount of other, you know, solutions or perspectives that I can take for any situation in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's yeah. huge because we are, we're like, we, these minds, they're, these minds are records of the past. Mm-hmm. They're these big mainframes of information based on what the experiences that we've had. So if we're stuck in the mind, which is all about the past, we're going to be stuck. We're just going to be recreating our past. But, mm-hmm. f- you know, for you, body, right? Body is presence. Body is always happening right now. Breath is presence. Breath is always happening right now. So what is your what is your mindfulness or meditation or what are your what are your daily tools? Mm. Do you have a routine? I have a routine that I feel like is constantly being refined and really constantly changes with the seasons of my life because there's sometimes where I'm running more often and there's sometimes where I'm way more active and in like a powerful workout routine and then there's way more times that I'm or the other times that I'm like 
you know, a beach walk feels really good today or doing yummy gentle yoga versus this power class. So I have some non-negotiables that I definitely have in my day. Meditation, not getting on my phone, which I'm usually really good at when I first wake up in the morning. That's a big one. Not jumping on social media. But yeah, meditation, breathing practice, moving my body at least 20 minutes every day. I usually end up doing just yoga in bed and that kind of is my catalyst for feeling better and more in my body. Oh my God, I would have never imagined that I would say this, but dancing has become <laughs> like, especially as a like structured, rigid Bostonian, being in my feminine and like dancing more and having more fun is <laughs> used to be really, really hard to get to. But that's what connects me really deeply into A, my body, my joy factor, and also the the place of allowing and receiving versus forcing and it makes me feel just more in flow so those are some non-negotiables for sure the forcing versus allowing because this is just something that really comes up with our athletes and myself like knowing when to push and when to come back and it sounds like you have a really good gauge of like well today's going to be a power session i'm all in and then the next day comes and you're like well not today this doesn't feel aligned yeah how do you get that alignment or a vibration like how do you really cue into that and not feel guilty about not pushing oh, through yeah i think it comes back to like everything we've talked about this entire episode is flexing the muscle and learning to listen learning to listen over and over again to the body because again as a people pleaser as a go 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 person as really structured and rigid listening and slowing down and tuning in and doing something that wasn't on the agenda is, was really, really hard for me. But it's, I think it's those moments that again, I've gotten like instant gratification because I chose what wasn't normal or what I wasn't planned in. And then it's almost like those moments that you choose what feels good to listen to the body that like what unfolds outside of that. Like, you know, I just had this random hit to go to the grocery store instead of doing all this work. And then when I was at the grocery store, I made this connection with this person and then this happened and this happened. And it's like the synchronicities that happen when we allow verse force is insane, but it really comes down to, I think, listening and trusting. And that's not easy. And, and allowing failure. Yeah. Because the next time you may want to push, I'm doing this power session today. I'm doing it today. And you get to that point where you're like 15 minutes in and you're like, oh, I don't know how many times I used to push myself to do things, especially like around my cycle. That was a big one. Like, even though I'm doing this, I'm like doing 30 days of this workout. And then all of a sudden I'm like right at my, like the start of my cycle. And I'm like, I don't have the energy, but I'm just going to push through. And you don't, you feel like crap because you did, whether your low back hurts or whether you're literally like toast on the ground. It's those moments of, again, failure. If you want to consider it like that, learning. that you're like, huh? I, he I, I understand that I didn't listen to my body and I probably wouldn't be in this position if I had chose that. Yeah. So we have to mess up to get there. Yeah, and that's a big one for female athletes. It's a question I get a lot. Like, what? how do you navigate that month and, you know, that time during the month when your cycle comes up? And it's and for, my answer is always very vague and, and very organic and very intuitive. It's like, it's different. And when I have the conflict of like, you got to get the miles in and I'm like, and then I have the other voice that's like, you're shedding the lining of an organ. <laughs> Relax. You don't feel good right now. It's okay. Yeah. 
this body is so amazing. It shows up for you all the time. And this thing that you're experiencing is showing you how well it's working still. Mm-hmm. So just relax. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I, I get a month where I feel fine and I don't have a lot of symptoms. So it's always different. But yeah, and then sometimes like I've pushed myself and been on a run and ended up being in so much pain, I'm throwing up on the mm-hmm. side of the road. I mean, it's like somebody's going to come pick me up, you know? Like I can't even walk. Mm-hmm. And you learn from that and you say, okay, awesome. That has now strengthened my desire to listen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always, if it doesn't feel good, what is it strengthening your desire for? You know, mm. to listen, to feel better, mm-hmm. to go easier, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Again, always looking at that buffet of perspectives which is endless mm-hmm. endless how do people w- work with you locally and i think you do online too yeah so tell us about that how do people follow you get a hold of you you always uh, do great posts on instagram i love reading your posts <laughs> <laughs> oh that's like a i go through seasons of that too where i'm like this feels so good i'm putting it all out there and then sometimes i'm like i feel like i'm in a cocoon yeah i'm in a cocoon <laughs> right now yeah. i'm kind of coming submerging myself from the cocoon my website is probably the easiest way to connect with me it's my name so caitlinparsons.com there's a thousand ways to spell caitlin so good luck with that <laughs> we'll put um, it in the show notes yes i'm on instagram i think it's underscore caitlin parsons i'm on on Facebook but yeah I work with people online and remotely and I have online programs I mean obviously for the dental community but I have online programs for my one-on-one clients so if we work remotely there's like this amazing platform and library of classes that you get with it and I've been doing it for a while so the process is pretty refined we jump on video calls every session is really different because I work with people with stress and anxiety and embodiment stuff and then I also work with people on pain and posture and all of that so yeah. Awesome. I love it. Anything else, Beach? I think I'm fired up to breathe. And <laughs> I know. Are you, te- my... are you teaching? Are you on the schedule anywhere locally right now? You're not. No. I know. Nope. You got to get me one-on-one or I do some like group classes. Yeah. <laughs> She's not here to just please people. Yeah, people. guys. That was the old me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. This is awesome. Yes. Thank you.